Today we're going to talk about the purpose of joy um, and what it is that we need to understand. I think for me, I'm preaching. I want you to know if you're new here, most of the time I'm preaching to myself, okay? So if, you, if you're like, wow, I really feel like, Pastor, you were speaking right to me. It's because I was speaking to my own humanity. And, and we all probably have some common denominators here in our lives as humans. So I'm really preaching to myself on this message. And, uh, and I, I think our takeaway and understanding the purpose is, is going to be great. Let me read this passage very quickly in Luke chapter one or Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while uh, Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, watching over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. What I love about this story is this key verse in verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. What is the good news that is causing great joy? Jesus. It tells us that he's our Savior. He says, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. He's our Savior. He's the Messiah. This is Jesus. The good news that causes great joy is Jesus. Jesus is this gift that's been given. And if I read this scripture, the gift that's been given in Jesus, the joy that Jesus is, is causing joy for the people around him. And what I realized is, is and I don't know if, if you can relate to this, but Christmas was always, for me, it was, it was an interesting time. Uh, growing up, one year I, I accidentally burnt our house down on Christmas Eve. Um, the Christmas tree caught on fire. We won't get into the story of that. Let's just say we were homeless for a handful of months next year. And uh, it wasn't my fault. I really didn't burn the Christmas tree down. I was changing a light bulb on the tree and it sparked and boom, the whole tree goes up. And it was just my, you know, the whole, I won't get into the whole story because it's not relevant to what I'm talking about today. But can you relate to maybe Christmas to you has some really sharp prickly points? And sometimes, like, there's other memories I have of Christmas that are great. Here, here's, here's a memory of Christmas that I, I, I thought was great. I remember, and I don't know if you that, this, now I'm going to throw myself back on this one, but I remember we got, uh, my dad bought a family gift. And, and just, just so you know, when dad buys a family gift, here's what it really is. It's something that dad wants but can't substantiate or validate why he should buy that for himself. So he says, I'm going to buy the family this. Okay. So my dad, I remember this, he bought a cordless phone. Now this, you guys are like, what? Some of you in the room are like a cordless phone. Okay. So some of you are going to remember this because up to that point, we had like the 75 foot phone cord 
that like stretch and then and so like you like you're like gonna call somebody and you like want it to be private so you like dot you have to dial the phone but we were we were like we had the push button so we were like really because we didn't have to go all around we dial the phone and then we'd walk out of down the hallway into another room and close the door okay anybody okay amen all right and then all of a sudden that 75 foot cord turned into like 150 foot cord and it never coiled back up the way it was supposed to. It like did this weird thing that it would like wind itself up. Like you're like this stupid cord doesn't even work anymore, man. And it's like, I don't think it was meant to be stretched across the house and across the street. And but it was good because then because if you're like where where where's Pat at? You just like you follow the cord into the room on the other side of the house, and you like you could find. Nowadays your kid could be on the phone. And you're just like what are you doing? Nothing. You have no way of knowing. You have to go back and check and like download stuff. So th this was, cordless phone was a big deal. And it was, and, and so I remember like there's this gift and you like, we hope we get Christmas time. There's all these gifts. And, and I, I'm going to tell on myself, it's a little bit. And if you guys relate, then you just go ahead. But were you the kid that would go down under the tree and find all your presents? And I didn't care about anybody else's presence until I had found all my presents. Then I cared about everyone else's presence because then what I would do is I would count how many presents I had and I would compare it up against the amount of presents that my siblings had. And if I had less presents, then I would take the name tag off of their present and put it. I never did that. But I did have a friend. I had a friend that would wake up in the middle of the night Christmas Eve, and he would he would he would open his present, and he would open his brother's present, and if his brother's was better, he would close them back up and switch the name tags. <laughs> he got caught. Kids, you're always gonna get caught. Some there's some children in the room. Okay, so I remember getting this gift open it up, and in the box, you see the picture, it's cordless phone, you're like, oh, cordless phone, we're like, whoa, and it had like the antenna, was like the metal antenna, it was like, <laughs> antenna's like this long, I remember calling my friend, I'm talking to you on a phone with no cord, he's like, no way, I can't believe it, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, looking at the antenna as I'm talking, like, where are my words going, like, How are, they, how are they getting to you, you know? Okay. This gift that, that I was given, this gift that my father gave us, along with a VCR, who knows what those are? All right. That was a family gift too. Thanks, Dad. That gift, like Jesus, is absolutely no good if you don't unwrap it and take it out of the box and do something with it. Joy is the same way. Joy is, it's a noun, it's something that you can, oh, it's the gift, it's, I can hold this. But it's something that calls you to action that you do something with. Joy is both a noun and a verb. And you've heard me say this before, like 
it's both a noun and a verb. In fact, the noun that I'm holding, I behold, I, I, I can behold it, but it also I'm called to be it. There's something that I can possess, but it has to call me into something. I love this, Luke 111. This is the story of a guy named Zechariah. His, his son, Zechariah's son, is this guy named John. We know him as John the Baptist, if you've read any Bible scripture or anything. And he was a cousin to Jesus. And the story is very similar to the story of with Mary. In verse 111, it says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. This is the key. He will be a joy. That, that, that two-letter two word, be. That, that joy, like, that I will be a joy. I, I won't just possess, I won't just hold the phone. But I'll do something with it. I won't just so I got joy, you know, like I was joking about this song. There's a song, and I, I don't know why the song, it's, it, it, you know that I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Does anyone, do you guys know that? Okay, could you sing it right now for me? That went about as well as I thought it was going to go. Okay. I can't stand the song. I just want to say that. Now, that's bad. I see, like, he's a pastor. He's supposed to like all those songs. I don't like, so, like, people, I keep bringing the song up, and I'm just like, I don't like that. Because it's like, to me, I like joy, because it's, like, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. And then, I want to strangle joy. I'm the guy, I want joy, but I don't want to be joy. It says that he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or fermented drink. and He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. And he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Here's what I know. I know that if you don't take the noun of joy and you don't verb the noun of joy, you guys have heard me say this before, you have to what? Verb the, <laughs> you have to verb the, can you turn to your neighbor and say, you better verb that noun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah, that was good. You better verb that noun. Yep. This is the thing with joy. It does no good to say like, I possess joy if you're not verbing it. John the Baptist, he's going to be joy. And the byproduct of that is that other people are going to be caused to rejoice. In fact, it's going to turn people back to God. See, there's a purpose that joy has beyond our own pleasure. And for a lot of my life, I thought, you know, Jesus died on the cross to make me happy. And then there's this roadblock because sometimes I walk around and I'm like the grumpy five-year-old. You know the five-year-old that gets to Christmas and like unwraps their gifts and then they get to the end and they're like, that's it? Where's the good stuff? 
I didn't ask for socks and underwear and footy pajamas. I wanted a bike. Right? Have any of you ever encountered a bratty five-year-old? How many of you were the bratty five-year-old? Okay. Extra blessings for the honesty. Okay. Sometimes with our faith, with Jesus, this is what we do. We have the joy, the gift of Jesus all around us. And we forget to tell our attitude and our face and our body language that the best marketing is what? Word of mouth. Thank you very much. When you get other people telling you about something and how great it is and how great it's been for them, you are more likely statistically to go and investigate and probably purchase that thing. Why? Because you trust the language, you trust the word, you trust the personal satisfaction that someone else has received. Am I like that with my faith? Is the joy of Jesus caused me to be so joyful that it becomes like word of mouth that people are like, Pat is the most joyful person on earth. And I can tell you right now, people probably do not say that about me. Are people like, you're, you, you're a Christian, really? Very interesting. Or am I, am I just like the five-year-old that sits there and I, I've got joy all around me. And I'm still a little grumpy. It's just not good enough. Jesus is all we need. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again. Rejoice. I love the fact that when we need to hear something, it gets repeated. So when I read something that's repeated, we should listen to it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Hold on a second. Time out. Again, I say rejoice. Because you don't get it the first time. Rejoice in the Lord always. Because I feel like the author knows that if he says it one time, rejoice in the Lord always, we're going to go, uh-huh, yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. He's like, no, no, no. Again, I'm going to say it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You don't get it. Let me say it again. It's the power of repetition. You're getting it. Let your, listen to this, let your gentleness be evident to all. That word be evident means to bear witness, to be a testimony, to be as, to, to, to be a witness. Is the, is, is the joy, rejoicing, let me define this really quick. Rejoicing is a joyful response to the joy you have received. Okay, let me say that again. It's a joyful response to the joy you've received. It's exercising the joy that we've received to bear witness to everyone the great joy that Jesus has been in our lives. And oftentimes we just say, well, it's, it's, just, it's my personality. Have you ever heard this? It's just my personality. I'm just not, I have that, fa- I have that resting face. There's a three-letter acronym for. You know what that is? Okay. And, and, and I, it took me a long time. People were like, Pat, when you, do, when you don't smile, if you just let your face rest, we think you're angry. And I'm like, 
What are you talking about? And they're like, you see, you're mad. I'm like, I'm not mad. I'm overjoyed. So my wife's like, you need to like tell your face. So you'll notice when I'm preaching sometimes I say something and then I'm like. Because I'm afraid you think I'm mad and I'm not mad. I'm like, no, everything's, everything's good. But you don't look like you're good, right? And I go, it's just my personality. Oh, here's one. Um, I'm very joyful. I just have low blood sugar. I'm on a new diet. I'm just super tired. You know, it's just like you've been super tired and on a diet for like 25 years. It's like you're a South Pole Christian. North Pole Christians are happy. So, go watch the movie, Elf. Luke one twenty six. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And here's what I love about this. Greetings, it says. You who are highly favored, exclamation point. So when I read that to you and I say, greetings, you who are highly favored, that's not actually how it was written. It was written, greetings, you are highly favored. Congratulations, you've done it. Oh, gosh, you got joy, joy, joy down in your heart, and it's going to stay there, down in your heart to stay. God, you're way to go, world's best cup of coffee. You did it. That, it's, it seems ridiculous, doesn't it? But can I tell you that word greetings means rejoice. So the angel of the, this is what the angel is actually saying to Mary. Scared. I think I'm hallucinating. There's an angel talking to me. Right? This is what the angel is saying. I want you to rejoice. I want you to know the joy of heaven that I'm coming to bestow upon you is going to cause you to joy in great joy. You need to rejoice because you're highly favored. Did you know that? God chose you. He chose you as the strategy to save all of humanity. And I can't, I, I've spent like my entire existence next to him and understanding him and seeing him and seeing what he does. And he chose you out of all people. He, just, he came down. He said, he said, angel, go down and tell her. Tell her to be full of joy. She needs to rejoice because she's been, cho you're the chosen one. You're like, you're it. That's what he's saying. Let me ask you a question. If someone showed up and said with that much joy, that's why God chose you. Would that change something? You're like, 
all, all, all of he heaven? Like, cho I, I was chosen by all, all, out of all of heaven, like, to carry joy? To, to, bir to literally birth joy? When you read this, th th this is what we need to hear. You need to hear this morning that God has, you were highly favored means that God has chosen to use you. This is what he's saying. I have a strategy that I've put in place to use your life through. And when an angel of the Lord shows up, when Jesus encounters your life, and it's like, do we understand? Do we have the joy inside of us to go like, we're like, oh my God, rejoice. And we're like, rejoice. Why am I rejoicing? Why? You know, and when someone gets really happy, you're like, come happy. Why are we happy? Why are we, why are we on the sudden, like, why are we all dancing? Like, why are we all dancing? I don't know why we're dancing. Why? They smile. Remember last week, Pastor Julie was like, I want you to smile. Did she do that with you guys? Smile. And then you're like, smiling. Why am I smiling? Because smiling is my favorite. You know, it's like, But that, that, now I, I'm calling myself out on the rug here. Because in my life, I'm like, greetings. You were highly favored. The Lord is with you. <laughs> Serious business here. We get really serious about it, right? And I'm like, this angel is, this angel is like losing his mind over the fact that he's like gets to deliver this message. That you have been chosen to carry the seed of joy. That you are part of the strategy of a living God to not only give you joy, but give you the ability to rejoy that joy. My absurd goal that I have is to somehow qualify to go to the world championships of this triathlon Ironman stuff. And so, I'm pretty one-track minded, and I just get fo I get focused on the goal. And sometimes, in getting really focused on something, you can lose the joy in it. So I go to race on Sunday, and uh, long and short of it is, I know that I have to have like the most stellar athletic performance that I've ever had doing these races. And the race starts out, and the water's pretty cold. I think it was 58 and a half. Something like that. It's like ice cream headache swimming the whole time. Kind of cold. And a phenomenal thing happens to the human body. And very quickly, this is what happens. When you jump into cold water, if you haven't acclimated, uh, you, you immediately go, <gasps> right? And your diaphragm actually will lift. And if I'm trying to swim and I need really deep breaths that are very quick, turning my head and, I, and I'm, my, my heart rate's high, swimming in a fast pace, I need that diaphragm to not be stuck up here. So I make a mistake. I don't acclimate to the water. I jump in the water. The race starts. Boom. I take off 400 meters in. Guess what happens? Hyperventilate. 
I'm in the water. Thousands of people behind me coming in the water and splashing and you're getting kicked and bumped and swam over. I mean, it's like full contact swimming. And I'm hyperventilating. And in that moment, a bunch of stuff goes through my head. But what I, what I realized is, as I said, in, in, my, in my heart, I knew. My heart sank. And I thought, that's it. Race is done. The margins are that close at that level of racing. The race was done. I'm not qualifying for the world championships. And I composed myself and got through the swim. And the swim wasn't as bad time-wise as I thought it was going to be. Get onto the bike. So it's a 1.2-mile swim. And get on the bike, ride 56 miles. Felt pretty good on the bike. Get into the run. Now, the run is my biggest struggle. It's what I really have to work hard on. and It's where you suffer the most, to be honest. It's a half a marathon. It's where you suffer the most. By the way, do you know why a marathon is 26.2 miles? Why not 26 miles? You know why? Because of the Queen of England at the time. Always goes back to the Queen of England. She decided that she wanted her children to be able to see the beginning of the, want to see the runners in the marathon. So she made them extend the race another 0.2 miles so the runners could go in front of their window so they could look out of their windows and see the runners. So thank you, Queen, for that 0.2 miles. So I'm running 13.1 miles because it's a half a marathon. So you get into these 13.1 miles, and about mile eight, you're at your lowest point, truthfully. If you've been pushing hard, and I'm pushing hard, I'm running at that point, I'm averaging about a 745, 750 mile pace. I'm pushing hard. And unbeknownst to me, while I'm running, Pastor Julie is preaching a message and she's having you guys smile. Totally. And I, I don't know this. I'm running. And as I'm running, I just feel like, I literally feel like the Lord's like, begin thanking me. I'm like, but I'm at my lowest point right here. I'm eating Tums because I feel nauseous. So it's going to, like, something's going to happen on one end or the other. Okay? I've already peed on myself like three times on the bike. You guys are like, I'm competitive. You think I'm going to stop? So I'm eating Tums, and I'm like trying to get some food in, and my stomach's upset, and Lord says, begin to thank me. I begin running, and I'm, I'm going, Lord, thank you. And then I'm like, you know what? Yeah, thank you. Thank you that you've given my body the ability to come out here and do this. Thank you. Look at, look at the surroundings. I'm running on a golf course at like a country club, like in stretchy clothes. In California, like it's, th thank you for my children. God, thank you so much that you've given me these seven amazing daughters. Thank you for a wife that she's an endurance athlete. She has to endure me. Thank you that, like, it, you, you get what I'm going? And, I just mean, and I'm like, it's really hard to run and fight emotion. And at this point, like, my legs are just heavy. It feels like your quads are shattering every time because you're just, you're just running hard. 
I'm getting some nutrition. But as I begin to do this, and I feel like the Lord's like, and I remember somebody said, run happy. Run happy. <laughs> okay. So I smile while I'm running. Like I remember consciously going, smile. As I'm thanking God, being thankful, and I smile, my posture is kind of like starting to break down a little bit. And as I do that, my posture aligns. And I'm standing up. And then another thing people say is run tall, right? Run tall, smile, run happy. So I do that. And as I'm doing that, all of a sudden, my posture, whoop, okay? And, my, and all of a sudden, my pace starts picking back up again. And I'm like, man, it's so good. And I see this guy running in front of me. Now I'm running with joy. <laughs> now I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, God, yeah. This hurts, but no, it doesn't hurt nothing like you having to go to the cross. You know, it's like you start having all these conversations with you. You're like, you know, anyway. And I see this guy running in front of me, and he's got his arm is ace bandaged down. And he's got gauze around his arm. He'd crashed on the bike. And I'm on my second loop. They do two loops of the run. I'm on my second loop. He's on his first loop. And he's suffering. You see the blood kind of coming through the bandage. And he's just like running along. And I'm coming up on him. And I don't know why I go. As I'm running behind him, I go, yes! You know? And he's the kind of, kind of like looked. And I said, way to go, dude. Keep going. Yeah. And he kind of is like, his posture kind of. He's like, yeah, no, and he's like kind of like, oh, and, and then I, I pass by this guy who, he's a, he's a veteran, and he's blind, and he's, he's got a guide running with him, and they're running, and, and everyone as they're going by him are like cheering, and like, yeah, come on, and I'm like, yeah, let's go. All of a sudden, like you start, see, what I'm saying to you is, is that when you choose joy, when you understand the strategy that God has put inside of you is joy, and you start exercising that joy, it changes your posture, but it will change the posture of what's possible for the people around you as well. And the, there's this moment, like the golf course is like these meandering trails. It's a golf course. So it's like you're passing each other and you see each other. And this guy that's all bandaged up, this one point, I'm coming and he's coming back this way. His eyes lock onto mine as if, and it's like that split second, this moment as if he was saying like, thank you. He looked at me and it was just like, like we didn't have to say a word. Thank you. And as I'm running in, I'm, I'm, I'm running next to this guy. And he goes, he kind of looks at me, he goes, second, your second lap? And I'm like, yeah. He could tell I was suffering. And I go, yeah. He goes, it's my first. So he was running really fresh. And I go, cool. <laughs> this is like the last mile. And I drop in right behind him and I say to him, I'm going to pace off of you. And the guy begins to talk to me through the last mile. There's something phenomenal that happens. Like when, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're walking in joy and you began giving that joy away. You know Christmas is all about regifting gifts. <laughs> is it, have you ever questioned that? Do, I, do you regift this? Salt and pepper shaker. I don't really want salt and pepper shaker, but I think I should give this. And I don't have time to stop. So can I just, it's, let me tell you, it's totally okay to regift. It's biblical. Jesus is a gift of joy to you, and your job and your purpose is to give, to re-gift that joy. And when you re-gift that joy, guess what happens? More joy comes back to you. So I'm running behind this guy, and I'm like, I'm, gonna pay, I'm just going to pace right behind you. And he's running a little bit faster pace than I'm, I don't feel like my body is like, whoo, and I'm like, dude, 
And I start thinking about my family. I start thinking about my wife being at the finish line. Like these are the things that begin calling upon your heart. You begin thinking about things outside of you. And so I say, I'm just going to pace behind you. And the guy goes, he goes, I got you, man. And so he's, he's looking at his watch and he's going, okay, we're running a 725 mile pace right now. And I was like, cool. <laughs> you, at this point, that's all I got. Cool. He runs me all the way to the finish line where he has to loop around and do the second loop. And I turn right and I go down the red carpet to finish. And as I'm getting ready to turn, he goes, great job. Way to go. And I looked at him and he's got his name, you know, on his thing. His name's Paul. And I looked at him and I said, go get him, Paul. And he takes off. And I turn and I can see this finish shoot. And my wife is down at the end on the left-hand side. There are so many moments in life where we're given the ability to choose joy. We're given the ability to walk so much that we've been given. And I got to tell you, like, I cross the finish line. I weep every time. I don't know why. I, just, I cry like a baby. And it's not because I'm in pain. Had a stellar race. And can, can, I you, can I tell you the ultimate for me, this is my personality, of me having to choose joy? We get to the awards ceremony. I miss going to the world championships by one minute and 32 seconds. The deficit that I had lost in the swim. See, I knew in the swim it was over. But I had to keep going. I wasn't the, I'm not the hero for, for fighting through. I'm thinking about my family. I'm thinking about the people around me. I'm thinking about all of you. Thinking about everything that goes in. This is what I'm saying. When you think about everything that's gone in, to you being able to possess joy. You think that you're at your lowest point. You think that when you're at your weakest, you think that when you don't have anything left to give, you think that that's the point, that you're the least likely for God to choose is the strategy. And I'm here to tell you that that's the, that's the biggest, that's the, that's the, you're at the top of the heap. God's like, choose them. Choose the 13, 14-year-old girl who's going to have to go through ridicule culturally to birth my son Jesus. Choose her. She's the most unlikely It's when you're at your lowest that you and I get the opportunity to, to, to take that joy, take that cordless phone and go, I'm excited about this cordless phone. I'm excited about Jesus. But take it and open it and use it. It has a purpose. Let's stand. I'm going to read this last passage. I'm going to wrap up. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.4, for we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. 
He's chosen you. You know, God didn't wait to choose you when you had everything right. God didn't wait to choose you when your life was in order, when your finances were perfect, when your thought life was the way that it needed to be. He didn't wait to choose you when all of things in life were lining up for you and you were at the top of your game. He, does not, he didn't wait. To, he chose you now. In fact, it says that he chose you before the foundations of this world were even built. He chose you. He knew that I was going to be at mile eight struggling. He knows that you're going to be at mile eight figuratively struggling. He knows that you're going to be having a hard time. He knows you're going to hit moments where you want to quit, but he still chose you. Paul says, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Everywhere. The good news and the great joy the shepherds were talking about are for all people. That when you and I rejoice, and again I say rejoice, that our gentleness is, becomes evident to all people. That when we become imitators of the joy that Christ has given us, if you don't have joy, find someone that has joy. Begin mimicking them. What do joyful people do? Well, when they walk into the room, they tell their face to be joyful. <laughs> That's what my wife told me. Like, tell your face, Pat. So I was like, I walk in the room and I, hey, how's it going? Yeah, because if not, I'm going to walk in and everyone's like, Pat, like, oh, it's, that's like mad Pat. Like, whoa, what's wrong? That's what Paul's talking about. Be imitators. Be imitators of me. Be imitators of them. Be imitators of Christ. But ultimately, the purpose that we're going to be imitators of this joy that we've been given, even in the midst of our trials, we're going to be imitators of this joy. We're going to be in walking. We're going to be, we're going to be joy. Why are we going to do that? Because we're going to be able to reach the farthest places, the places that we think are unreachable, the parts of our cities that the city, the city even goes, oh, I don't even, like, we don't even know what to do with them. Here's some really practical things for us. Are you regifting? the joy of Jesus in your life? Here's some simple applications. Number one, you can simply re-gift that joy by inviting someone. Say, you know what? I, I don't even know how to explain. I don't even know what to say. But all I know is I want you to experience joy. Come to church this season. Come to church on Christmas. That's so simple. Here's another one. When you walk out the doors, grab a bag. Because this is, this is so easy. This is so easy. You have, the, you have the possibility to become part of something that's greater 
by simply filling a bag. That sounds crazy, but it's the truth. We have a little over a thousand pounds. We need 10,000 pounds. That sounds crazy. Nothing is impossible. When we grab a hold of joy and we re-gift our joy, bag of joy. This is a bag of joy for someone that needs it. Do, do you know that? If you, if, you have, if you have this much groceries in your house, then we, we should give this much groceries. Why? Because if you got joy, you should give it. Simple application. Mary carried joy. Little Mary, she was carrying joy. And I am so thankful that what she decided to do was to not try to hold on to joy, but to birth it and allow it to make an impact on all of humanity. You have the same choice. Amen? Let's pray. With all of our heads bowed and eyes closed, some of you need to encounter Jesus here for the first time. It, and here's an easy way to know it. If you're not joyful, you need Jesus. I'm not talking about being happy, circumstantial. I'm talking about joy. If you are not carrying joy, you need Jesus. I would love, I would love for you to be able to get prayer from our team. You can simply do that by coming forward. And our team would love to pray with you. And be part of that. Some of you, you're struggling with joy. Some of you are maybe in that low spot. Some of you are maybe, you feel like you're in that low, that valley type place. Maybe you're, you're dealing with some trials. You're dealing with some struggle. You're dealing with some things going on. And I'm here to tell you, you are the perfect candidate right now to step into the strategy that God has for you. I want you to come forward. You have a purpose in life. Some of you, your biggest struggle with your faith is you feel like you're not good enough to step out and, and, do, and go and do and be the things that you hear us talk about. And I'm here to tell you that there is an enemy that wants to kill your joy. He wants to rob and destroy you of your joy. That your joy will be found when you step into those things, you step into that strategy that God has given you. But, it, but when, when, we're, when we're left in a place where we feel like, well, I'm not good enough, you don't understand, I, I did that. Squash that. You're good enough. Why? Because Jesus died for you. He covered you. He is your joy. So if you need prayer this morning, if you're struggling with that joy, I want you to come forward. For the rest of us, if you feel comfortable doing so, open your hands up. And here's my prayer. God, that we would be the biggest regifters of joy that anyone has ever met. When walking through the stores that are crowded, when we're in the parking lots that are a mess, when we're trying to order that thing online and it doesn't ship on time, when we want to yell at the person in our, in our workspace, when we're dealing with stress, when we, when we have more month than we have money, when we have to be around those family members that get on our nerves, that we would walk in, that we would begin thanking you, that we would smile, that it would adjust our posture, and that we would become the best regifters of joy. That we would leave those places and people would say, I don't even know what happened, but I feel like there's like joy down in my heart. There's, there's, some, there's some impact that's been made. My life has been made better because I encountered that person. Lord, that we would be that in our cities, in our homes, our workplaces. We thank you. 
in the power of Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen and amen.